Hey girls, Maria Menounos here, author of The Every Girl's Guide to Life. Want to know my best tips and secrets for organization, travel, weight loss, beauty, fashion, and everything else in between? Go to bing.com slash Maria and pick up my new book, The Every Girl's Guide to Life. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream, this is AfterBuzz TV for Desperate Housewives. Tonight's host is Derek Shore. Joining Derek will be AfterBuzz co-hosts Sarah Stratton and Roxy Stryer. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Desperate Housewives news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. Now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, Derek Shore! Hi guys, and welcome to the show. Hopefully you can tell by my voice, but this is not Derek Shore. I'm, this is actually Sarah speaking, and I'm going to be hosting tonight. Um, joining me later, or soon, is going to be Miss Roxy Stryer, and she is talking with us over to the phone all the way from Boston. She's home visiting her family for the weekend. And by the way, I just want to shout out to everyone who celebrated Easter or Resurrection Day. Happy Easter and Resurrection Day. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Desperate Housewives. And when I w watched this episode, I really thought it was just all about women embracing their power. Um, the episode centered around Lynette and Tom going to this uh, leadership conference and Lynette isn't quite too happy about being the plus one then you see Susan and Paul and Mike get in this little tricky situation after Susan starts having sex dreams about Paul um, we also see Gabby and Bree try to maintain their friendship behind Carlos's back after he has forbidden Gabby from seeing Bree um, it's a really interesting episode. It was great. It's always just a funny, funny show. So before we get to the really power and um, all of that, I want to talk about the newest addition to Living on the Lane, who is Felicia. And Felicia's back, and as you guys probably know if you've watched the show, she was Beth's mom, and she's kind of a psycho lunatic. I mean, she cut off her own two fingers to frame her sister's husband uh, for murder, even though she was obviously alive because she did it herself. So Felicia's back on the lane, and no one knows it until this episode, except for Paul, but no one knows. And then she, we see her first encounter with someone on the lane, and that's Karen. And Karen and Felicia, you see some flashbacks in that episode, used to be friends. And when Felicia did this horrible thing of cutting off her own two fingers... Karen saw her running back home and hid the secret that she was alive. So you kind of get the sense that Felicia's holding this over Karen's head, but you don't really, it's not really a threat. She just is like, 
Thank well, you. Hey, Sarah, on the mm-hmm. line we have the Miss Roxy Stryer. Oh, do we have Miss Roxy? Can I hear you, Roxy? Are you there? Roxy, you there? Hello, can you hear me? Oh, we found you. Hello, Miss Roxy. Hello. How is home? Oh, hello. Hello, can you hear me? Home is great. Okay, I'm good. We're just kind of getting started with the episode. I was talking about how... Yeah, I don't know why it's um, taking a little while for what I say to be announced. Oh, so there's a little bit of a time delay. I guess so. I'm going to say yeah, that's a about yes. Yeah, about a five second. So if I'm just being slow, it's not because I'm that awkward. Okay, so this should be a tricky conversation. <laughs> i to think five steps ahead, Sarah. This is what I'm going to say, five steps ahead. Roxy, in right. five <laughs> seconds, will you give me your favorite moment of the entire show? I'll count down. Five, four, three, two, one. Is there sound? No. I would say the sex dreams. Yeah, those were a good point. Do you think that there's any underlying... I'm going to have to say there's more like a 15-second delay, but I think the sex dreams, and the reason why is because I love the fact that you cannot control your own dreams. I love talking about that and what happens in them. It's just very interesting to me. Yeah, it's a great point. Do you think that there's any under underlying love for Paul from Susan? I think that Susan just feels very compassionate for him, and she's a good person. She's trying really hard to help him out, but I don't think there are any sexual feelings there. I mean, the man's very creepy, and, and Susan's incredibly happy with Mike, so I don't I don't think she's sitting there honestly thinking, oh, I wish I was laying this to Paul. Me too. I was so scared throughout this whole episode. It like it talks about how Susan and Mike have haven't been having sex for the past six weeks and weeks, and they're so excited to have this night together. I kept thinking that at the end of the episode, it was going to be Susan like calling out Paul's name in the middle of like their first time back together. That was like my idea. I know, and how excited were you when finally what happened was at the end of the night, he was such a great guy. He didn't freak out at her. He completely was great. Made dinner, candle at night. The sex, I'm sure, was incredible. Obviously, we didn't see it, but from what I'm assuming. I was kind of just, I agree. I think they were obviously really happy, and it was so much better of Tom not to go, like, flying off the handle like he normally does. But I was kind of disappointed. I was like, Come on, I actually want to see Susan and Mike together. I'm not as big a fan of seeing Susan and Paul together. I mean, that one was kind of gross. No, that's true. We did see a lot more of Susan and Paul in bed than we did of Susan and Mike in bed. But I just think they're such a strong couple, and it shows how mature they are, the fact that he didn't freak out at her. He specifically told her not to do something, and being Susan, she broke the rules. And we've seen that fight a thousand times. Mike yell at her, that meow in front of MJ, whatever the situation is. I'm just sick of that. I didn't want to see that, and I was very pleasantly surprised when she walked home. And finally walked in the door, and you saw on her face kind of, she's sitting there thinking, oh, crap, I don't want to enter this door, but I'm going to. I have to go home. 
And then the smile when she finally realizes my husband is awesome. Yeah, that was great. She was definitely surprised, too. And that's good. I mean, it's good to see characters change and Mike actually not being the hothead that he is. But I'm, like, worried to talk because I don't want to talk over you too much because of the delay. Rox, what did you think? No, I'm good right now. I think that anytime you pause for a second, I will jump right in and then and you can talk right after me. There <laughs> we go. What did you did you what were your thoughts about Felicia and Karen's relationship growing? Felicia and Karen's relationship. I think that Felicia is just a freaking weird dot job. And honestly, if Mrs. McCluskey believes her and backs her, I think a lot of the women on the street will be more inclined to believe Felicia. And that's really scary because I think in this dynamic duo between Paul and Felicia, the, the two evil people on the street, I want to see Paul win. I don't want to see Felicia win. And I think that besides having, um, besides having the support of Susan, that's really, I mean, Paul really doesn't have the support of anybody else, and everybody's going to be more inclined to take uh, Felicia's side, which is really not going to look good for Paul. Yeah, I agree. I want Paul to win, too. And it's just, it's scary how good Felicia's story is. Like, Felicia made up a story in this episode saying that Paul was the one who reached out to Beth and convinced her that he was a good guy, and then the moment that she like, was with him, then he turned his back and told her all the, was, like, insulting to her and basically made her commit suicide. And that's such a believable story that I was just like, oh, no. One, this woman's brilliant, but she's, like, evil genius. So it's just, it's just really, really scary for me for her to look like she's doing good. Right. I don't even get at this point what she's looking to gain. I mean, I, I, from what I gather, it's not that she's looking for revenge from her daughter. I don't even know if she's really looking for revenge from her sister right now. I think she just is pissed that she ended up in jail, has no life left, so kind of is messing around with everybody else's. I, I honestly don't know how she planned every single detail of this story so perfectly. She couldn't have written a better story if she had tried. It's very believable. And honestly, if I was on the street, I would 100% say, you know, they're both a little weird, but I'm definitely going with Felicia's story. But as an audience member, I know that Paul's in the right. Yeah, it's it's sad for Paul. My two things that are on my mind about it are, one, I see one mistake, is that she completely told Mrs. McCluskey that it was Beth's ashes in an urn. So that's obviously somehow eventually going to get back to Paul, that, that she, still, she still has the ashes, which would, like, tip him off that, she, that um, Felicia wasn't honest with him. So that was one problem. And then another problem I could see happening is... Right, I know exactly what you mean. But I just think that, other than that, the story was pretty flawless. Yeah, she's the smart one. I think she has a lot planned. I mean, I feel like she, like 
she knew exactly what she was getting into. She's been doing this for years. If she ever like, like in prison, I think this is all she thought about. She like she planned the lake. She planned keeping the urn. Like, I think she knows exactly how she wants to play out more than like five steps ahead of where we already are. Well, what is it that you think that she's trying to gain, though? That's my question. I don't really understand why is she doing all this. Who is she trying to hurt? Who is she trying to help? What is all of this for at this point? It, it just doesn't seem clear anymore. Well, she made it clear before that she doesn't want Paul to die. That's why she didn't shoot him by the lake. I think she made it. She said she wants him to suffer. I think she wants people to once again completely see him as a monster. Because right now, although people aren't really on his side, besides Susan, they still think he has some bit of humanity for letting Susan have Beth's kidney. She wants to take all that away from him. So much that he's diminished into this little ignominious speck that has to be shunned off the street and can't live there. He's gonna. She wants him to leave with nothing. No friends. She, I think she wants to push him so far that he wants to kill himself. I just think that she has nothing better to do with her time at this point. You know, she doesn't have a daughter. She doesn't have a significant other. She doesn't have a career. There's nothing really motivating her to wake up in the morning. It's just a game to her. She has absolutely nothing to lose. So why not? This is the only kind of passion she has right now is this hatred for him, which I don't even think she really realizes where it comes from. Yes, he murdered her sister, and she knows that. But he did go to prison. He has spent time trying to turn into a better person, as she saw before. And I just don't know anymore, other than just the fact that it's a game for her, why she continues to do this over and over again. Yeah, she's just gone a little psycho. I mean, last episode she did say that she was that Beth's death was completely all his fault. So she's crazy. She's done a little too much. I'm very scared of her. On the other hand, though, I want to talk a little bit about Karen. Were you surprised that she knew the whole time that Felicia was alive? You know, I think that she has a lot of the hidden secrets of the street. She isn't one of the main female characters, so it's not like I'm surprised when stories come up about her from the past that we didn't see on a previous episode. I feel like if any of the other women were to talk about something, I would say, no, that's not realistic. I, I saw where they were at that point. There's no way they could have been doing something else, which is why I think Mrs. McCluskey is such an interesting character to show because she can have all these different plot twists. Yes, I was very surprised, but I wasn't I wasn't in disbelief. It was a good turn, but I wasn't thinking, oh, damn you writers of this show, bad job. Yeah, I totally agree. And one thing I'd like to add to that is I thought it was really interesting how she came with the secret, and all I could think about was, Mrs. McCluskey, please tell your husband right away. I don't want this blowing up in your face later. I'm sure it will, but I just, like, wanted her to tell someone that, like, she knew or something just so because I feel like she's getting going to get hung out to dry. Oh, 100 percent. Somehow she's going to get screwed. And it's just completely unfair because 
What a sweet old woman. Leave her be. What the hell did she do but turn her cheek the other way because she thought it was what was right, you know? We've never seen this woman do anything wrong ever. She's always tried to do what's best for every woman on the lane. So I just, I bet that's where this is going, as you do as well. I just hope it is, and I hope they find some other twist to the story because I don't want to see her spend time in jail or commit suicide or get left by her husband or alienated by the rest of her friends on the street. I don't want to see the show go that way. I like her as a character who can help advance the plot, but then is always turns out on top of the app. Yeah, I completely agree. She is so nice. I mean, she's got uh, Ms. McCluskey's always that sarcastic, kind of makes inappropriate co- uh, comments, even though she's like an older woman, so you don't expect them from her. She just adds this little like umph to the show that I love. And so I'm hoping too that she doesn't just like her life doesn't fall apart be- because of this. So, um, Roxy, you missed my intro, but basically, what I got for a lot from this episode. You know, I met a woman the other day on the street who, um, oh, sorry, I, I couldn't oh, tell that you were talking to her. I met a woman the other day on the street, and she was talking to this five-year-old boy, and the boy looked very puzzled with what she was saying. She was kind of poking fun at him, making fun of his outfit, something like that, and suddenly he looks at her really weird and, and turns up to his mom and started to cry, and she just says to him, what, I'm old, I can say whatever the hell I want. And it was just hysterical to me. It reminded me so much of Miss McCluskey because once you get to that age, you're like, who gives a shit what I say? I don't care what I say. I'm going to just go for it. Yeah, older people tend to go one of two ways that I've noticed. One, they become insanely sweet and are like, oh, whatever's fine. Do whatever you want. Here's a cookie. Or they go the other way and they go, hey, I've lived my life. I'm older than you. I can say whatever I want whenever I want because... You know, like, I'm your elder, so listen up. And they, they're, they're always the ones with, like, the dirtiest mouths and the most, like, sometimes racist things to say. And they don't even, they don't apologize. Either, and that's, like, the two spectrums. Exactly, and she definitely goes for the latter one. So it's just funny because such a typical older woman, but then again, I think that she does have some twists to her that don't make her such a typical character that it's annoying to watch. So I would like to have her stay just the way she is. Yeah. So as I was saying before, um, I mentioned in like my, when I was introducing the show that what I really got from this show was that it was about the women in the lane, like embracing their power as women. I felt like it was a very like, gung-ho women thing like all the men were like telling them what to do and all of them were like no I'm gonna do what I want and I thought it was hilarious hey, I, I think it's a really interesting point and um, we see Mike telling Susan not to see somebody we tell we see Carlos telling Gabby not to see somebody and these men trying to overpower these women and the woman standing up to him saying, hell no. And, and finally in the end with the Carlos Gabby situation, we see him say, choose me or Bree. And she says, Carlos, don't make me do that. And he says, no, I am. Now, that's a whole other story, whether she's in the right or, or he's in the right. But honestly, I am happy to see these women standing up for themselves because so many times, especially on television, women are depicted as the weaker of the sexes by far, of course. And I just think that it's absurd that these husbands think they can tell their wives 
who they can and cannot hang out with over the smallest things or the largest things, whatever it is. They can't dictate who their spouses decide to spend time with, you know? Exactly. I um I want to explain the Gabby and Brie and Carlos situation right after I make this comment. But my biggest thing is like, yes, they were telling them the right they had to. Carlos told Gabby in the end that he had to choose. And I think that that is one of the worst things you can do to someone you care about. Because to me, when someone I care about says that I can't talk to someone else I care about, it makes it seem like the person who's ordering me what to do doesn't actually care about what I think. So to me, Carlos telling Gabby that she couldn't be close with Bree, who is her very good friend, made it like t- look made it seem like Carlos didn't care about how Gabby felt, if that makes sense. Definitely. For me, ultimatums are the absolute end of a relationship. I do not put up with them. I think they're ridiculous. That's not the way life should work. It is not choose this or that. Black and white, really, this day doesn't exist. You know, if, if somebody's asking me to choose something before I'm ready to choose it, or to choose something that I don't think they have a place asking me to choose between, why would I pick that person, you know? Ever I'm presented with an ultimatum by a significant other, I'm going the other way. I'm choosing the other thing. That's exactly how I am. Like, to the T. Like, that was exactly my point. You said it so well. It's ultimatums and choices by significant others or really close friends or even family just to me is, like, a total turnoff and, like, disappointment. It just shows me. It tells me that they don't really care about, like, what I care about. And that's what you're supposed to be in a relationship. Like, we saw Mike, even though he wasn't happy about Susan um, talking to Paul, he loved Susan, so he stood by Susan, even against something he didn't agree with. But then you see Carlos do the opposite, and he doesn't want Gabby talking to Brie. But instead of, like, standing with her and, like, staying just away from being himself, he places himself in between the two of them, and that's, to me, like, one of the most, like, unloving things you can do. Like, if you love someone, you let them have the things they want and the things that make them happy. But I, I 100% agree. And it also shows a weakness and insecurity in the guy that is just, as you're saying, the biggest turnoff. If you are not confident enough, that I would choose you, that you have to ask that, even if you shouldn't be able to ask that, but that, the fact that you have to verbalize that, then something's going on in your own mind and in your own life that I'm not putting upon you, that you're doing to yourself, that I'm not going to be able to fix by verbally telling you, oh, you know, I choose you. Because what does that even mean? If, if Gabby had looked at Carlos and said, fine, I won't, Brie anymore. Does that mean she loves Carlos any more than she loved him if she was seeing Brie? Why is that what that conclusion comes to? Why is that what he thinks is the truth? I just don't understand how the two things correlate. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to turn this little topic to Jesse if he doesn't mind. Jesse, do you have any opinions on ultimatums or on people like you care about make you choose? 
Um, actually, yeah, I've gone through this with um, some people in my life before, and y- y- how can you consider yourself to? I understand it if I understand it if it's the fact of them wanting it to better you when it comes to certain things. But if it's not harmful and if it's something that they absolutely know, um, like, I mean, with this situation, with it, it's her best friend. Um, you know, how can you tell me, how, how can you step into my life and tell me, you know, you, you can do this or we're not going to work. I'm sorry, you have an issue with the person. Um, and, you know, it, I'm not I'm not here to play, you know, sides or teams and, and things like that, but... Um, yeah, I'm definitely on that side of the line of it. Sounds like yes. the after best crew is all together. Yes. And Roxy, I wish you could have seen it when Jesse said part of that. He did a little head swivel snaking, like, and yeah. Put, and put my finger up in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both of it. He was like, this is my opinion, and it's right. No, but I completely agree. And yeah, I agree. There also is a line. Like, there's a difference between telling someone to choose their best friend over you, which is completely unacceptable. And then there's, like, the people who are like, oh, well, I want to do all these drugs. And then their significant other goes, either you have to stop doing drugs or you have to, or or it's me. That's a difference. Like that, I'm okay with. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's what you meant. And that was actually a point in the show. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before when we saw Bree's son and his boyfriend have a fight over alcoholism and the boyfriend couldn't handle it and left. And that's something... I also see as more reasonable. And that's unhealthy habits. That's something, that's addiction. That's not like a real love and care and true like happiness, in my opinion. Is Roxy still with us? Roxy. I don't know. Well, no, I, but I, I, I totally agree with what you just said. Um, yeah. And the, and the fact of, uh, like, if it's something bad and it's negative, but everyone knows that. And, you know, everyone knows if you're doing these types of drugs or, you know, that situation. Everyone, uh, hold on one second. I think we might have lo- lost Roxy. And we have her back on the line. Oh. Roxy? Roxy. Roxy, I think we've lost you. I'm not sure. If so... We would like to send you our love and best. I don't know if you guys can hear me right now. Sorry if I'm interrupting over somebody, but I am on Ustream trying to listen to you guys, and I currently can't hear what's going on. And also, I can't hear you through the phone line. So if you want my opinion, we got to figure out these technical difficulties. Otherwise, I will catch up with you guys more about DH After and be sure to listen to your After Buzz show. One of you lovely, lovely people text me or figure it out. Okay, Rox, I think Jesse's going to text you, and we're all going to say, hopefully we can get in contact. If not, goodbye, and thank you so much for your valuable comments. Rox, you always have great advice and great views. I mean, she always has little twists. Roxy's mind is one of a kind. I love it. One of my best friends. I like that's a nice little rhyme. Roxy's <laughs> mind is one of a kind. It is. When she hears this, she's going to laugh. Roxy, we all watch the shows on Newstream. And on iTunes, and sometimes it's funny just to look back and laugh at ourselves. Um, and for you guys listening, thanks. I just want to throw that out there. We really do appreciate you listening to the show and looking for us online. So, but anyway, back to Desperate Housewives after that little sidetrack moment. So we talked a little bit about Felicia and 
Now I want to talk about Lynette and Tom because we haven't talked about them too much. Um, Lynette and Tom had a very interesting storyline this week. They both went off um, to a, I think it's Wiseman Leadership Conference. And when they got, when Lynette found out that her and Tom were going, she was so excited. It was like, it was like they found out like they won the lottery or they were going to like on this romantic vacation. They were going to a leadership conference, but they were so excited. They were screaming. Well, they were whispering to a bear. And then Lynette got so excited that she burst and woke up the baby that she had just been walking around the block for like eight times or something ridiculous. Anyway, so the two of them go to the leadership conference. And when they're there, they run into... Um, Bob and Lee, who I guess are regulars of this conference, and just a little information, the Wiseman Leadership Conference is this huge thing for, like, top execs, like the elite of the elite, millionaires, geniuses, blah, blah, blah. So it was really interesting to me, on a little side note, that Bob and Lee were there. I was like, oh, I didn't even know you guys were that successful. So these two couplers are there, and they're, and basically Bob and Tom were the ones who were invited to the conference. Like, they were the ones who were recognized for being successful businessmen, so they were invited. And Lee and Lynette got to be their plus ones. So Lynette shows up thinking that she's going to get into all these conferences with all these really inspirational speakers, and she's going to learn so much. And then she's more, more than disappointed when she finds out that all she's going to be do, doing is hanging out with the other plus ones who are, for the most part, the wives, which was very funny for Lee to be involved because he loved it probably more than all of them. And so these plus one most wives all got sent to, like, the most girly little functions. So all the men were put in these giant lecture rooms with these inspirational pictures, and all the wives got to, you know make flower arrangements, and go to the spa. And while I think that would be, I would pick that one personally, I was like, I would go to the spa. Are you kidding me? Jesse's laughing at me. Absolutely, <laughs> I would too. See, he's agreeing. No, they were like, you know, decorating their orchids and learning all the history and getting facials. And I was like, I would much rather be there than listening to someone talk about their book. Um and it, and Unless so, it's Maria Menounos for the Every Girl's yeah, Guide to Life which in is stores a, now. But, but that, that is a good book. That is like teaching you about the spa and all of that book. That's like taking the wise classes and putting it in a book. It's not taking like how to install a computer chip. Um, but Lynette does not share my opinion. She was not happy. I don't even know how to stress. She was livid with the fact that she was not allowed in and she took it as this whole like stand for women she was all about we are being oppressed and she was calling her lanyard a box of like oppression and she was trying to sneak out at one point in the show she steals a woman's lanyard who was not a plus one but an invited guest steals it and tries to go to the lecture where of course it blows up in her face as the one woman's thing she stole was supposed to be introducing the speaker so she gets called up on stage she's tipsy and makes a fool out of herself and gets called out for not being the right lady this of course cause is quite a heated fight between tom and lynette and basically this was their stance lynette said 
I'm not just a plus one. I deserve to be in all these things. You know how much I love this speaker. And then Tom made just one great remark. He obviously said more than this, but he said, I stood in the back of your career. Oh, oh, are we going to get a clip? Are we? Oh, in a minute. I think it actually might come up. I'll let you guys know. But he said, he's like, I stood behind you while you had the career all those years, and you can't do the same for me. And that just really made me think, Lynette was really in the wrong. I mean, there's a point where you do have to stay, you stand up for yourself. But when you're invited as a plus one, I don't think you really have the footing to say you can do whatever you want. Because you weren't invited on your accomplishments. He was invited on his accomplishments. This is a very special speaker. It's a great thing. That's why so many people want to go. And not everyone can be invited. And it's not like they only invited men to this conference. They did invite men and women. Lynette just wasn't on that path of her life right now. And I do not think she was supportive of Tom. I don't think she was respectful to Tom. And so I, I do think she was in the wrong. She made a fool of herself. She deserved to be laughed at. And this is just so childish of her. And I can't help thinking to myself, like, well, this is probably going to affect Tom's career. These are people that he, these are, like, very powerful people that he's supposed to work with and make friends with. And they think he's married to, like, a crazy person. So she's really not being supportive or there for him or even thinking about him. And I, I just, I thought that was a very interesting point. And it was interesting to contrast the women in this episode. Because as we mentioned before, we had Susan standing up to Mike, and we had Gabby standing up to Carlos, and we had Lynette standing up to Tom. So I'm going to go through the three of them. I think, as I said, I don't think Lynette was right. I think Susan was right to stand up to Mike about trying to help Paul out in his when he's suffering. And I think Mike, in turn, reacted well in the end to what Susan did. And stood by her, which is the right thing to do. And then finally you have Gabby, who stood up to Carlos by saying she was going to try and be friends with Bree. And then Carlos' reaction to make her choose was in the wrong. So it was very interesting for them to put all of these different variations of power and standing by your significant other all next to each other because it really made you like look at it a little deeper and to see the way people can handle things and the people versus like the way you shouldn't and also we didn't actually talk we talked about um how Carlos made Gabby choose but we didn't really talk about how that played out in the episode so I just want to go over that real quick as a as a recap um basically it, it was hilarious it starts out where Gabby and Bree are talking to each other on their lawns in plain sight of each other through their Bluetooth. And they're, or Gabby's on her Bluetooth and Bree's on her cell phone. And they're talking like they're longing for each other. And it's just hysterical. And Bree ends up hanging up to go get her scones. And you kind of see them starting having, so Gabby and Bree start having these secret meetings to stay friends. And their first meeting happens in Lynette's house. And it was hilarious. If you if the writing of this scene, I feel like if you didn't have images, you would literally think they were having an affair. It was they actually ended up talking about affairs, 
But the language was so, like, there was no exact wording. So they could talk about, be talking about anything. And they had these sensual tones in their voice. And it just sounded like they were up to no good and really into each other. And I was like, hmm, this is this awkward or is this funny? I felt a little confused. And then it proceeds from there. And they go through this clown-like routine of... Brie trying to teach Gabby to make a pineapple upside down cake through a Bluetooth that Gabby hides with her hair. And of course, it still doesn't turn out well. So Gabby and Brie slyly switch it on the window seal while Carlos's back is turned. And I was like, wow, Carlos, if you were going to watch the whole time and then let that fly over your head, hmm, not the smartest thing. And then they, f- and then it, cul- it culminates with. Them making this with Brie and Gabby making this plan to have this secret spa getaway weekend. And Gabby lies to Carlos and says she's going to a funeral. And right before she's about to get out the door, he gives her a hug. And he asks her, Is this a new coat? And she says, Yes, I'm so glad you noticed or something. And he pulls a long red hair off it. And he's like, Then why does it have a red hair? You must have seen her soon. And I was like, Well, that was ridiculous. You found a hair on her coat that's red. I mean, there aren't that many redheads in the world, but she bought a coat. I'm sure a hundred people tried on the coat. Why couldn't it be any of those? I thought it was ridiculous. But, I mean, that's Desperate Housewives sometimes. And then he gives her the choice to choose. And we see what happened is the next scene, you see Gabby walk up to Bree's door and knock on the door. And I was thinking wow, she's going to choose Carlos. She's saying her last goodbye. She seems so sad. And then she come, she goes, can I stay with you? And I was like, wow. I was like, you know what? Good for you, Gabby. I mean, the, Gabby and Carlos have been through a lot. and But he's he's gone too far. Like, I understand Carlos is often right. Like, Gabby does a lot of shady things that are really wrong. But just because someone does things wrong doesn't mean you get to hold it over their head for when you want it your way. I think you take each thing by itself. And this by itself, Carlos, you're in the wrong. Sorry. And so Gabby seems to be, it doesn't say they're divorced or separated, just says um, Gabby's going to stay with Brie for a while. And we get a little bit of flashes in that for the preview, and I'll save that for predictions. But it was a really great show. I'm, I think that's pretty much about it before we head over to predictions. Uh, where we can talk about what we're looking into next week. And the characters just truly keep expanding. So why don't we move on to predictions? Jesse, do you want to give me a cue? Uh, Before we do that, we're going to head to a commercial break. Oh, commercial break. Want to find out what the after buzz is about? Janice is a drama queen. This is the divide that is going to carry the series. Give us a call. 424-256-1729. 424-256-1729. This television and they want it to be as dramatic as possible. I mean, it's Shakespearean. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Find out why After Buzz TV is the number one source for after show content. Now, in the eyes of Jimmy, Nucky is a villain. 424-256-1729. 424-256-1729. Four, I mean, who would you guys rather hear that from? Your husband or your best friend? <laughs> the wig! The wig will come out. That wig. When the TV show is over, get your after buzz on. 
And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. Ooh, predictions. So, uh, at the end of every episode, I just love how they give you these little flashes, and I put all these random stories together in my head. At the end of this week's episode, the main thing we got was that um, I saw a little bit of Brie not liking the way Gabby's kids were being raised. I feel like she's going to overstep her boundaries and kind of butt into Gabby's life and, you know, put Brie's little sharp-edged spin on, on her child-rearing. You also see a cop show up at the door. Um, it seemed to be Brie's door. It might just be careful um, editing, but I think that might be true. I think Carlos could possibly be going to the police because he's so angry at Gabby and telling him them that Brie or Brie's son murdered his mother. And I think that's just going to be horrible for the entire lane. I also, with Paul and Mike and Susan, I think we're going to see some happiness with Mike and Susan for a while. As for Paul... I'm hoping he's going to snap out of his little drabby phase because it's not that much fun to watch a person who's really sad get destroyed. That just makes me more sad. Um, Lynette and Tom, I think this fight's going to really escalate. I don't think we've seen the end of it. It's This isn't a simple matter. Like This is standing behind your husband, and they've fought over power for so long, and she keeps saying that she's going to let him have it, but she isn't quite getting there. So I'm thinking this fight's going to... Go big, explode. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm nervous because I do like their marriage and I want them to work things out. As for Felicia, I'm scared. I don't know what to do about her. She's scary. I feel like she has so much planned and the fact that I can't figure it out is even more scary. Because with TV shows like this, you're normally a little like, oh, I can see where they're going. Like, this is going to get pulled in. This is, you know, they give you little hints. With her, it's just kind of like, pop, oh, and that's what I'm going to do, and pop, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm like, oh, no, anything could happen. So, excited for next week. The season's coming to a close pretty soon, only a couple weeks left, so keep listening and keep watching the shows. After Buzz. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzzTV or its owners or principals.